Welcome to the New Hope 365 podcast. Due to the rising number of COVID cases in our area, we are once again having church online only. For the easiest way to keep up with the latest information about New Hope 365, you can download our app by searching New Hope Round Rock in your favorite app store. And now, here is today's message. We continue on in a series today entitled Reality, The Battle Between Good and Evil. Last week I talked about God's divine family and what it looks like for the unseen realm and what it looks like for the seen realm. And angels were created by God and they are God's messengers, God's worshipers, and God's warriors helping him accomplish his will throughout the ages. But what I talked about last week was something went terribly wrong. And if you look at Revelation chapter 12, verses 7 through 9, this is what it says. Then war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels, and we we know that we only know the names of two um, of the angels. That is Michael, uh, the archangel, and he was a warrior, and Gabriel, the messenger from God. But here it's Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was not strong enough, and they lost their place in heaven. The great dragon was hurled down, that ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. And from that day forward, Satan's battleground moved from heaven to earth, and that battle and what he's battling is going on this very day. And why is it so important for us to know this? Because what's taking on, what's, what's going on right now around us is these wars and famines and riots and racism issues and sickness and death and factions and hatred and dictatorships and all of that is a reminder that what? That the unseen realm of evil is impacting, is impacting our seen realm. And most, most of or much of the world right now is under the influence of Satan and people aren't even aware of it. So North Korea it's North Korea there is a God-like leader there. It's one of the darkest countries if you actually study it. It's one of the darkest countries in the world. And there's this godlike leader who controls the media and perpetuates the narrative that he is good and other nations are a threat. People are brainwashed. They, they believe uh, that they must live in complete obedience to this dictator or else what will happen is they are risk being destroyed by outsiders. Then the narrative is continually carried to what? To the Uh, in the curriculum and for the school children and they learn about their dictator God and sing songs to him and pledge allegiance to him. Jang Jin Sung, a North Korean poet who worked in his former country's propaganda bureau before defecting to South Korea calls this an emotional dictatorship. And author Yeon Mi Park explains it this way. In North Korea, it's not enough for the government to control where you go, what you learn, where you work, and what you say. They need to control you through your emotions, making you a slave to the state by destroying your individuality 
and your ability to react to situations based on your own experience of the world. This dictatorship, this writer says, is both emotional and physical, and is as soon as you learn to talk, you are taken on your mother's back to the Inminbon meetings everybody in North Korea has to attend at least once a week. You learn that your friends are your comrades, and that is how you address one another. You are taught to think with one mind. Once Satan was thrown down and out of heaven, he made his mission to wreck humanity. He, he was out to destroy everything and anything dear to the heart of God. So what does he do? He attacks our relationships, our relationship with God, our relationship with our spouse, our kids, our coworkers, family members, and neighbors. Then, when we consider that the children born into this reality are essentially captives in a war and brainwashed, it reminds us that the entire human race is a lot like North Korea. So, North Korea operates like a demonic cult. When the Bible says that Satan is the god of this world and people are captives, it is speaking to the people born into a world that is like a cult, and Satan is the dictator of our planet, ruling as a god and controlling everyone in his kingdom by brainwashing them from birth. Let me, let me give you um, an example of this in our culture. There are some states that are doing some mandatory educational training, and it's being called, there's some of the summits that they have are being called equity summits. And they call it a wonderful opportunity for students and faculty to um, participate in a day of gaining more knowledge and awareness about the topics related to equality. So here are some lecture options, okay? Think about this as to what's taking place in the unseen realm, and now it's in the seen realm. The topic is the respect of, here's a couple topics that they address in this equity summit. So here, here we go. Respectability of womanhood. Who gets to define womanhood? We will look at the historical legacies of colonization, patriarchy, and whiteness to dismantle the how and why we exclude certain women. What part of our womanhood do we suppress to please the male and white gaze? Let's learn how to dismantle these problematic and colonial constructs and step fully and powerfully into our self-defined womanhood. So, that's one topic. Second topic. Let's talk about sexuality and gender. We are all gendered, sexed, and sexual beings. And yet, a lot of us don't know the difference between sex, gender, and sexuality. Participants will walk away with new information and strategies to make their community more inclusive on the path to equality. This workshop will especially benefit the QT, POC, LGBTQ, and POC students and allies. The third topic that was being addressed was two to a few. Our society is filled with black and white, either or, and we will explain our society's traditional lens of sexuality gender and explain the benefits of shifting towards seeing ourselves on a spectrum with many different possibilities and identities which are not represented through our binary model. Not surprisingly with that, much of our culture war is over the ma matters of what? Identity, gender, marriage, and sexuality. 
And all of this started in Genesis chapter 3, when Satan came to confuse human identity. He, he wanted to invert gender roles and wreck marriages that result in sexual rebellion and dysfunction throughout the Bible and throughout history. So the first thing the enemy of our souls, Satan, did was to attack marriage, separating the husband, separating the wife, so he could wreck their family and their legacy. Spiritual warfare starts by attacking a married couple in Genesis chapter 3. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Genesis chapter 3. As you're doing that, let's, uh, let me set the stage for this. The background, we have this divine council. I talked about that last week. The angels that are there is to, to collaborate with God and to be his divine messengers and warriors and worshipers. And more than likely, that divine council would take place in a place that we call the Garden of Eden from Genesis. Throughout the Bible, God connects a place between heaven and earth, and, and he has a connecting point the, between the seen and unseen realms. So you have examples of that are the tabernacle and the temple, and of course now the body of Jesus Christ. It's where the unseen connects with the seen and so we see this serpent emerge in Genesis chapter 3, and he's called cunning, which means that he's shrewd, he's deceitful, and incredibly dangerous. Satan invited humanity, starting with a husband and wife, to do what? Join him and his demons in their coup attempt against God. And so if his coup attempt in heaven failed, he brought his war to earth, and now he's continuing that battle that he had lost in heaven, and he's trying to get us to be part of the coup against God. So then the Lord has this place of grace, this place of it's utopic, it's, it's blissful, it's delightful, the presence of God, and, and uh, it's, it's, it's what I call like a grace garden. And then with one law tree in it, so to speak, we'll call it a law tree. Adam and Eve were free to eat of anything in the Garden of Eden, with one exception. And we know that to be the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And Satan's tactic was to misrepresent God as having, what? Us live in a law garden with all kinds of restrictions and all kinds of rules. And the reality is that's a lie. People think that, oh, following Jesus and Christianity is all about rules, and it's all about do's and don'ts, when the reality is... There's no life greater and freer than living for Jesus. So, the truth is, God is this gracious Father, and it is only for the sake of keeping his children from harm that he would say, you're not to do that. So it's not like he's going, I'm going to be so bad to you. No, he's keeping us safe and from harm. So, otherwise, we have great freedom. So let's look at Genesis chapter 3, and beginning at verse 1. The serpent was the shrewdest or cunningest of all wild animals the Lord God had made. And one day he asked the woman, Did God really say to you that you must not eat of the fruit of any of the trees in the garden? Of course, Eve said, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden. 
the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. And God said, you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you'll die. And the serpent says, you won't die. The serpent replied to the woman, God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God. Stop there. Like God. What was Satan's attempt? What was his coup attempt? He wanted to be like God. He wanted to be greater than God. And he's, he's, he's taking and he's bringing this counterfeit thinking in, but it's his thinking that ultimately has destroyed him and got him thrown out of heaven. And he's wanting now, the, he's wanting Adam and Eve to go, oh, you'll be like God. But it's complete deception. Knowing, he says, he goes, you will know both good and evil. The woman was convinced she saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. And she gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it too. And at that moment, their eyes were opened and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. And so what we see there is that the unseen, God would enter the unseen, the, enter from the unseen into the seen realm and would be walking in the garden. Now we don't know necessarily what that looks like, but he entered the seen realm and that was not foreign to Adam and Eve. And so they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Then the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Who told you that you were naked? The Lord God asked. Have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? And the man says, it was the woman you gave me who gave me the fruit, and I ate it. Then the Lord God asked the woman, what have you done? The serpent deceived me, she replied. That's why I ate it. And then the story goes on about the judgment against the serpent. It talks about the judgment against Adam and Eve and all of that. But we know in this situation that something went terribly wrong and Adam and Eve were deceived. Think about what was happening in the garden as something like you have a stocked pantry at home. So you have children and you stock the pantry with all kinds of good things, cereals and uh, sweet treats and all of that, and you go, hey, you can eat anything in the pantry. It's all yours. Have, have at it anytime, anytime, anything you want. What kid wouldn't like that, right? And then you say, but hey, the bleach underneath the sink, don't drink the bleach. And all of a sudden, on the scene comes one little uh, you know, kid to deceive the brother or sister or whatever and says, no, 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 drink the bleach. Well, we know, we know the outcome of drinking bleach, stomach pumps, sick, all that. Okay, it's like that. We, we, we uh, in our lives, this pantry of good things, but the enemy has come in and said, oh, you should partake of this thing and it's gonna be good and it's a lie. And so what do we do is we struggle in culture with things that feel good such as sex and drugs and, and um, such as things as alcohol. And I'm talking about the, like sex outside of marriage. I'm talking about uh, taking and abusing alcohol and taking uh, illicit drugs and all of that. And we look at that and we go, oh, it feels good. Take it. 
And then we th- look at things and we say, oh, it looks good. We say, oh, that pornography, it looks good. Or we look at the latest fashion and we make it a God of ours. And we go, we got to get it, we got to get it, we got to get it. And, and we take it and it becomes an obsession of ours that looks so good. And then we have this pride that says, I can do things on my own. I don't need God. And so what has happened is in all of that, we are deceived into thinking those things that feel good, look good, the pride that says that we are enough and that we're good enough and that it's all about us, in the end, does what? It leaves you empty. It leaves you bankrupt. It leaves you totally desperate instead of experiencing the joy and hope and life that our Heavenly Father can give us. So, we struggle with those things. And let me frame in a little bit here then about what has taken place since Genesis 3 and understanding the godly governance that God has given to us as it relates to our life. We know that Adam and Eve were ultimately cast out of the garden. We know that, uh, that literally as sin entered the world and everything began to unfold, um, Satan then didn't stop his attacks. In fact, he's been more aggressive and more aggressive as time has passed. And understanding then this godly governance, and godly governance, here we go, has singular headship and plural leadership. Godly governance has singular headship and plural leadership. So let me explain. So you have God, who is what? Singular headship. And then you have the Son and the Holy Spirit, and that's the plurality of leadership. It's kind of like if you have two heads that are leading, it's probably going to be very dysfunctional. Uh, How about a husband? Singular headship. Husband and wife. Plural leadership. So what the demonic attack is, then, in our culture, and started in the garden in Genesis chapter 3, is literally concentrated at the leaders because since the war in heaven Satan is seeking to make himself the singular head. He wants to be worshipped he wants to be the singular head of everything in every sphere and so understanding singular headship and plural leadership helps us understand the attack and the demonic war that took place in Genesis chapter 3 and takes place to this day and so, in this, understand the satanic war at Eden, and, well, let's, let, me, let me go and, and break it down this way. Satan attacks the Father in heaven to be what? Singular headship. He then attacks Adam as the head of the human race, singular headship. Satan attacks Adam. Jesus, as the new head of the human race on earth, he attacks Jesus and wants his singular headship. And then fourth, Peter, in the New Testament, as head of the, of the early church, Satan sought to what? Sift Peter like wheat and destroy him so that he could have singular headship. That is Satan. And sadly, in all of this that's going on, Adam stands by silently as all the coup attempts on earth occurred. And though Eve sinned first, God held Adam first, what? Responsible 
because he was the singular head of his family. And God asked, Adam, where are you? Adam, where are you? And I've been, as I've been pondering this topic of who the enemy attacks and who he desires to attack, he attacks the marriage and he attacks the family. And, and I think God is asking us men the same question. Where are you men? Where are you? Are you doing your job to lovingly lead your home? Are you lovingly working and doing your diligence at work, at church, and in your community? And so, the lesson from our first father is that if we don't head our homes, Satan will gladly be the head. And he will definitely take the place if you advocate that to Satan. So when Adam and Eve ate the forbidden fruit and they first and the first evil was felt and what did they do? The first evil was felt, the first evil they did was hide, the first evil they said was blaming someone else. So then if that's the case, what is the journey back? The way to wage spiritual war and defeat the demonic is to own our own sin, run to God, and confess the truth, owning fully what we have done. Because of Adam, we've all been born into sin. Because of Adam, we've been born into sin. Romans 5, in verse 12, says this, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, and in this way death came to all people, because all sinned. Then let's look at 1 Corinthians 15, 21 and 22, verses 21 and 22. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. Interesting about this is that in Genesis 3, it points from that, it is the first evangelistic moment in which, in which our Heavenly Father points to Jesus, the Savior, and the necessity of Jesus, the Savior, and how the Savior of the world is going to what? Defeat the devil and our enemy, and it's happening right there at the beginning of time, and right at the fall of man, Jesus says, I've got an alternative. I've got a way. I've got a plan. And so Satan was told that he would be defeated by Jesus in the beginning. And so he knows his time is short. And so what you're seeing today and all that's spinning around us is a result of the unseen realm all geared up knowing that there isn't much time and he's now taking and he's escalating the battle in the seen realm. And people are blinded and people are deceived. And our enemy is out to destroy. And just so you know, the people around you are not your enemy. It is the enemy behind those individuals and those people. So then, why did Jesus, the Son of God, appear? Well, I'm going to talk about that 
next week. Why then, in this all-out spiritual war between good and evil, why did Jesus, the Son of God, appear? And you might think that that's just a normal answer. But it has something to do with intense spiritual warfare, and I'll be talking about that next week. That being said, I'd like you to bow your heads and close your eyes, and uh, let's pray today as we continue to think about the spiritual war that is raging. Heavenly Father, I pray right now for those that are experiencing this war and this battle. They're going through it with their marriage. They're going through it at work. They're going through it um, maybe with extended family or, or, or their children. I pray right now that they would begin to understand that that is the battle that the enemy has brought. But we don't have to live defeated. We don't have to live beat up. We can totally, we can totally come and ask for your help and strength. And you will help us. And we can have victory, Jesus. We can have victory. I pray any of the wars and battles right now, Lord, bring your church through and help them to emerge victorious, God, as you desire. I pray right now, if there's anybody that is tuned in, if they don't know you, Jesus, I pray that they would come to know you as Lord and Savior and that they would experience freedom like they've never experienced before. Help them, touch them, transform them. Thank you, God. To you be the glory, now and forevermore. Amen. If you prayed that prayer today, I would encourage you, if you're a church online, you can go and we have next steps and we will, uh, in those next steps, take you on the journey towards moving to accepting and giving your life to Jesus. And we would love for you to do that. The best way then is then to, you can even send me an email, info at newhope, uh, newhope365.us, and we will follow up with you and make sure that you begin the journey of what we say in our mission is the journey towards Christ-centered wholeness. So don't miss out on that opportunity, and I pray that your life will forever be transformed. God bless you. Have an incredible, wonderful week. Thank you for listening to today's message. We'd like to invite you to visit our website for all the latest news and announcements for New Hope 365. We have added some temporary buttons to our homepage to make it quick and easy for you to request prayer, sign up for our email list, see current needs and opportunities to serve, as well as give. You can find it all at newhope365.church. That's newhope, the numbers 365.church.